What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Happer and Shaper. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Off the text line from Doug, so let's just start here. So Frost is staring at 29 losses in four seasons. We've won zero one-score games this season, and we're probably losing our starting quarterback, not to mention a lot of defensive production. Why should I believe the program is close to turning a corner? I'm not here to convince you of that. I nor am I. First of all, I, I you're asking the wrong person. Maybe ask Scott. Um, I I'm not sure. Given all of the things that you just said, uh, why you would believe that the program is turning some some sort of corner? I don't even know that you'd ask Scott. You'd ask Trev if he makes the announcement that uh, Scott would be back for 2022. Yeah. So, I. <sighs> The arguments I kept seeing over the weekend, and they're not necessarily ones that I put a lot of stock in, but there seems to be a larger group than usual than I guess I realized. I don't know that I would call it a silent majority, but it's a much larger group than I realized of people who just would rather keep a coach for the idea of stability than almost any other reason. And I am somewhat baffled by this notion. Uh because I, I I sort of reject the idea that there's stability when you present the idea that next year is the ultimatum season. When this year was sort of the ultimatum season, yeah. and last year was kind of the, like, you need to show some signs of life season. Mm-hmm. And 2019 was, a, well, 2018 was a fluke 0-6 start with Akron getting canceled season. So, I mean, let's keep pushing that thing off. Like, what what kind of stability we want here? Uh, and you're not getting stability after this offseason because there's not returning that coaching staff mm-hmm. in one piece. So is stability just a head coach? Because stability is having a four-year starting quarterback and multiple seniors on your roster, and the best thing that you can say is that know. you showed I, up really well. I don't want to argue for this notion, but I think what they're mostly talking about is like just the way you go about your business and, and the way the program is being quote-unquote built and stuff like that. Like You know that. Yeah. There's more stuff that goes into it than just who's there. However, I, however, you know, it, I, I've talked about this a lot before. That's not why we're doing this. That's yeah. that's not why. We're I mean, like, it feels akin to naming a, a kicker MVP. You can just poke a lot of holes in the the concept of yeah. it. I also like th- I like this one. Uh, apparently, this is a a sign at the game on Saturday. I retweeted this this morning. Um, guy holding up a sign that said, "Your parents supported a disappointment for 18 years, but when I say I support Frost for one more, I'm the bad guy." 
Yeah, I mean, I like that one. That's a pretty good case. <laughs> it's it's a thought. It's definitely out there. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. That, that's a that's a very broad way to kind of start things off today. There's there's a lot of stuff that we could get. Let, let's let's actually do the game part of it first, and then we'll kind of expand from there. You know, I, I said this at the beginning of the post game show, and people like had this real visceral reaction to it. Um, but I feel like context is important. And while Nebraska played hard, and we can get into the whole playing hard idea um, as we go on here in this conversation. But I feel like it needs to be said. There were several moments in that game where I wondered what the hell Ohio State was doing. And by several, I mean most of the game. Um, I felt like they could have had anything they wanted on the ground for basically the entire game and just decided that they wanted to let C.J. Stroud throw the ball into traffic, which I thought was odd. Um, now, credit Nebraska for taking advantage of those twice um, on two interceptions, which is their the big, big criticism for me from the Oklahoma game. I mean, early, even early in the game, just watching Ohio State kick Nebraska's defensive line back was um, pretty pretty staggering. I felt like they could have done whatever they wanted to on the ground, and they just didn't. And um, if a team wants to come in like that and do that and and not take advantage of the the advantage the obvious advantage that they have, then <clears throat> fine. You have you have to make them pay for it. I think for the most part, Nebraska did. Um, but that needs to be mentioned. I think for for context up front. Now, um, <laughs> what a weird game. Uh, there was a lot of moments where I was like, "What's happening here?" They were at one point zero for nine on third downs. Um, they had they they had like thirty some rushing yards. I mean, this is late in the game, and they were still in it. Um, so I guess credit them for that. But what an odd odd game on Saturday. Yeah, it was a, it was one of those games where Nebraska's defense basically like kept a sort of underperforming offensive unit and a certainly underperforming special teams unit around in a game that Ohio State between the 20s really seemed to have full control of a lot of times. I mean, I thought that Nebraska was going to have to really, really dominate time of possession on Saturday, yeah. and they didn't do that either. No. They didn't have the ball that much. Right. Because, it, it, you know, the thing that I talked about last week and then a little bit with Jake on the pregame show – is that field goals were going to be big wins for Nebraska, and they forced four of them, and they only allowed two touchdowns, and really made it difficult for Ohio State to to score when the field got short. And I think part of that is C.J. Stroud yeah. suffers mm. from similar things of, sure. that Adrian does, which is like when the field gets smaller, I don't think he sees it that well. And I think he's really hesitant to throw the ball into the end zone. Yeah, he was a little, uh, he was a little rattlery. Okay, a little rattlery to me. I, I was. I, I felt like they almost got bored for whatever reason. They, they they got bored very quickly with the idea that we could just kind of run. We could run all. And somebody disagreed on this. I don't know, Scott. I I saw the defensive line getting kicked back a lot early. I mean, um, twenty-one carries for ninety-two yards is by far the lowest output I, for Henderson this year. I know, but and, what I'm saying is they didn't try. Like and, and most of that got going in the second half. By the way, in the first half, I don't I don't know how many runs Henderson had, but um, they were getting five every time. He like there was definitely times where, and I think some of this, 
I think some of what this week is going to be sort of fascinating, and I don't know how much media availability we're going to get. There are some very key players on Nebraska's defense that may have played their last game on Saturday. One of them, and I'm just completely speculating here, Damian Daniels is dealing with a shoulder thing, which as a as kind of the guy having to go against three offensive linemen on every play, like that's a that's a tough spot to be in. And he gave it he gave it a pretty big effort, and they were able to to kind of move him out. Um, I I never felt like. Henderson completely got going. He ripped off the 22-yard run, but I think that was later in the game. I really felt like they thought they were going to have to use their short passing game as sort of the running game, and that's why they essentially just ran, what, the the inside play to Smith-Najigba like 12 times? I mean, he had 15 catches, didn't he? Yeah, but they they ran the same sort of route to just get him the ball in space against uh, linebackers in a zone. And basically it was like, all right, go try to tackle this guy. And uh, one of the times no one was able to, and he casually strolled 75 yards after who Quentin Newsom had a very good game. He had six tackles. He made one of the, or not, he had 10 tackles. He made one of the best tackles of the day, getting Chris Olave inbounds. that didn't allow Ohio state to attempt a last play before half, but the move that got made on him by mm. Smith Najigba. Mm. So uh, that's going to be on a highlight package somewhere. You can you can bank on that one. Henderson ran the ball fourteen times in the first half. Yeah, so they they only ran it eight times in the second half. That's surprising. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I thought Nebraska did a pretty good job against them. I I'm uh, not saying they didn't. Right. I, I'm not saying that Nebraska didn't do a pretty good job. I just think if they if they stuck to and committed to the run game, but they, that game could have been theirs. Relative all to the, what that's they've all used him all year, like this is the second most carries he's gotten in in a game. Like coming after using him 28 times against Penn State, yeah. and Penn State did the same thing where he had a 68 yard run or whatever it was, and that basically. But like we said before the game, I, Nebraska was in the situation where defensively you have to pick your you have to pick your poison. You have, you have to figure mm-hmm. out what you're going to try and take away. And that was never really that obvious to me during the game, what Nebraska was like really honing in on. Just the deep ball, probably, I would suppose. Yeah, I don't it. I don't even know what the deepest pass that he would have hit would have been, like in terms of air travel. Yeah. Like maybe the one that he dropped just over Nick Henrich is like the best throw he had all game. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Henderson had five carries that went six yards, and that was the farthest he went in the first half was six yards. Yeah, I, I, they were getting six yards like every time, though. It was it was five for six, and then threes and twos. Yeah, it, it was like it was boom. It was it was four five five four five five. I, I don't know. I just I just felt like they could have done that a lot and I, got first downs just and stayed on the like, field. They had two drives where they didn't run the ball at all. Yeah, that's part of it. And Nebraska's strategy is basically saying we don't think you're going to do this, and then they didn't do it. Um, Ohio State's weird because the the pieces of it, I think, are. I had to look up twi- like three or four times during the first half. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, why? I mean, why? But why? I think part of it is they don't really. I just C.J. Stroud isn't a runner. Like 
they're kind of a like they they kind of need Henderson or Smith Najigba or Olave to break big plays. Like otherwise, you're just asking um, Stroud to sort of dink and dunk his way down the field. And so if Nebraska takes away like big chunk plays, and they're basically like, okay, this guy we don't think is that accurate, make a bunch of throws. I'm surprised that Henderson was uh, held to less than 100 yards for sure. And I was surprised when I saw that he had 21 carries when I looked at the stats after the game too. By the way, when the uh, Big Ten Players of the Week come out at uh, 10 o'clock, like they always do today, <laughs> there's going to be another one on there. I, well, there should be two from that game. Actually, there could be three from that game. You could go with the field goal kicker. If Jake had a vote, the field goal kicker would probably win Big Ten Player of the Week. MVP. Um, you could go with that. You could go with Smith Najigba, but I I could see a, a tie of Aiden O'Connell and Smith Najigba, and then I think JoJo Doman should be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Mm. I mean, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was everywhere on on Saturday. He should be an All Big Ten player. Yeah, maybe and, Samari Toure would have an argument for like an offensive yeah. guy too, but not he's not going to get it over Smith and Najigba. Right. Uh, also, could have been the last game for. Jojo Dolman. Yeah, I, that was the talk. Um, that was the talk afterwards. It certainly seemed like from the way he he answered. Um, okay, so but can you fill me in here? What what's happening? Is he hurt? Uh, well, Nebraska can no longer make a bowl game. I think that there is probably some off season operation that they would like to have happen earlier than later for draft preparation. So he is hurt. My guess is, yeah, but I don't... He didn't seem hurt. I think that Frost alluded to the fact that Doman is hurt or that something is off. Yeah, here's And then said. also the uh, fact that... Sorry, right. sorry, sorry. Here's what he said. Uh, let me turn it up a little bit. Uh, Jojo's playing hurt right now, too, and made a decision to play today um, because he loves his team and his coaches. Um, I don't know what decision he'll make going forward, but it won't be because he's opting out. Um I don't see that happening. Uh, so it sounds like he's done. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another that, reason. But I can't, like, there's nothing painfully obvious. Like, we, we've seen this before in Nebraska where the last couple of games of the year, it's like, well, this guy's hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously hurt, and, you know, their goals are out the window, so th- th- he's going to, you know, be done. I I guess credit to JoJo for masking that I don't yeah. see it. I, I like I can't just uh, I can't see it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I can't okay. I can't tell you exactly what it is or anything like that, but I also know that walking back to the press box there was probably conservatively 20 some people uh family and friends there celebrating with him on the field and taking a bunch of photos yeah. in a way that that sort of lines up that it's his last home no, game. No, for the post-game discourse, like, he's done. Yeah. It, it, it sounds so, like he's done to me, but I just don't know why. Right. <laughs> so now you're talking about your best uh, your best defensive piece, maybe your most important, and then possibly your second most important in, in Damian Daniels. We'll see if the bye week is enough for him to get healthy. Uh, he's another guy that's basically looking at a decision here, and if he's not healthy right now and Nebraska can't make a bowl game, and he's looking to go to the NFL. There's not a lot of value in him playing Wisconsin or Iowa. Let's take a phone call from Greg and Milford. Hey, Greg. Hey, how you guys doing today? Good. You could take this for what it's worth. We had an Ohio State season ticket holder behind us been at every game this year. He was pretty impressed with Nebraska about probably the best team they've played all year, defensive-wise. Offensively, when the, he said when Nebraska gets the gears going, they're pretty much unstoppable. Take that for what it's worth. 
like I said, he's been to every game this year. He goes to see, goes to the games every year for Ohio State. Take that for whatever it's worth. Just wanted to fill you guys in on what some of the fans were saying from Ohio State. I appreciate that, Greg. No, I, we've seen that a lot from Ohio State people over the last couple Before of days. Before and after the yeah, game. Because, what, Day last week was talking about Nebraska being a six-win team on yeah. film. Uh, Biddle was on. Dave Biddle was on with us last Thursday talking about how just – uh, lavish the praise had been for Nebraska all week between Day and the players that they weren't going to take this game lightly by any means. I don't think they did. Here's something I want to get into, and, and, and we don't have time for the full conversation right now, but it's related to this. Like, uh, being down there before the game um, and... You and your favorite thing? I, I, I'm a, We know this, and you don't like this, but... I'm kind of a body language guy. Like I, I like to look and, and see, just see what the vibe is right, before yeah. the game and stuff like that. And I did watch Ohio State warm up, and it is as always impressive. Um, <laughs> That's what I was talking about, it's, not it's, the body language. But thing. I but I go down there and I just I just kind of watch. I just watch how they go through it and and what the communications like and like I I don't know. I feel like you could get a hint on how the game is going. I could full out tell that Nebraska was going to give them a good shot yesterday or on Saturday. I told I, I told everybody I could before the game started. I was like, I think Nebraska's going to give them a good shot today. Why? I thought the energy was fantastic before the game. I thought they weren't scared. Um, there was that little skirmish there on the on the thirty mm-hmm. yard line or whatever happened. I was standing right there. They just you know crossed over and they were like, "Hey, get back!" And that started a little you know whatever. Guys being dudes, that type of thing. But I could tell. We could tell before the game even starts that Nebraska is going to play well today. We shouldn't be able to tell. It should be that way every single yeah. game. We could get a hint. It's like, oh, what's it like? What's the energy like? But this team, they, uh, it, it is, it's crazy how you can know walking into the stadium what kind of performance that you're going to get today. That's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. You have to show up everywhere, and like I, some of it's just human nature, and you can't mm-hmm. like stop it, right? But Nebraska's lost games because of this. They've lost three games because of this. It's not it like if, if Nebraska's going to make a move on the coaching staff, it's not because of what they did against Ohio State. It's because of what they didn't do against Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois, yeah. and and all the other games before that. Like it's just so crazy to me that we could. Th- and and people, if you're close to it, you could see it. Like they're gonna play well today. I thought they'd play well. I didn't know all week, but I on Saturday when they walked out, I'm like, yep, they're gonna play well today. It shouldn't be like that. They just shouldn't. I uh, I we don't have time to get into this either. I am very tempted to remove Purdue from the Minnesota Illinois. Like when you you run those three things together. Because I would say Nebraska showed up to play that day. They got outcoached, and their quarterback wasn't healthy in the second half. Fair. Because they, they showed the first half, like, that was – Nebraska looked fine relative to – if you don't have that they pick did, six, yeah. Purdue's probably not in that game. You catch that touchdown. Um, with Samari Toure catches that pass, Purdue might be too far out at that point. Uh, but I definitely agree with you in terms of Minnesota and Illinois. Like the way Nebraska showed up in the first quarter is not the same of what they have in some of these other games. And I thought this was like Texter says, "Oh please, Happer, you always, I mean, always think that Nebraska is going to give everyone a tough game. You get no credit for your prediction just because you happen to hit on one. I, I didn't think Nebraska would give them a game until I saw how they looked before it. 
I I predicted on the pregame show before the before I actually saw this unfold that Nebraska would lose forty two to seventeen. And then I saw him warm up. <laughs> and I, like I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I take too much stock in it. But I, I I'm go I'm on the field before every single game. Right. And there's a difference. And so Nebraska. I mean, many people have talked about it. Playing uh, Jordan loves fu- playing to their. Sorry, Dan Patrick playing to their opponent's level. I tapped the button. Oh no! <laughs> Talk about Jordan Love. I guess over there. there's somebody that's driving. That's like Dan. I miss you, Dan. I, I like. I don't know. I take it for what it's yeah, worth. I suppose. He's just reaching. To, <laughs> Rico and I had the same idea there. He's just what, like reaching to his, his radio. Let's see what they're talking. Here is Jordan Love after his NFL debut. Mm-mm, I don't care. No, we're done. Let's take a commercial break <laughs> and uh, come back with our Pest of the Weekend up next. More of Happer and Shaper is coming your way on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.